Good evening, welcome to the shear. And I'm going to start off. I want to dedicate the shear, the first line for Ben Sion Chaim Halevi Ben Rivka. And so please join me in just saying Kapitel Chof, and then I'll put in some money to Zlaka and we'll start the actual shear. all right, so I'm going to share with you something or start off. The Sikha which we just learned last Shabbat, and it says the following. HaKadosh Baruch is one, Hashem Echot. He gave a Torah which is called one, to the Bnei Yisrael are called Goy Echot. And now the Rebbe explains. What's the emphasis of Achdus over here? So we've got Hashem creates, Hashem has created many Olamas, many, many worlds. And yet we declare Hashem is the true oneness, true unity. Torah includes, incorporates 613 mitzvahs. And yet it's one Torah. Now the third one is, also there's a challenge. All the Bnei Yisrael, we're all different. You have from Hashem, the whole spectrum from Hashem Hashiv Teichem till Shoyim Mecho, but despite the, that there is a difference between we're all all different, yet there's something which we have in Akudah Meshutef, as we have a, a, a shared concept which joins us all, all Yidden, to be Goy Echad Ba'aretz, a one nation. Okay, so we have here Hashem Echad Torah Achas and Israel Goy Echad Ba'aretz. Now. On Shabbos morning, we learned it Friday night. On Shabbos morning, I was chazan in shul, and I am holding the sefer And as you know, the chazan holds the sefer and says, "Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Hakein, Hashem, Echod," and everyone joins in. And it suddenly struck me: Why are we saying Hashem Echod at when we take out the sefer There's a mitzvah of saying Shema, but what's that got to do with Kriyas Torah? That was what bothered me. So. After Shabbos, I started doing my homework. And so here we have the source of this, um, of these sukkim, which we say when we take out the Sefer Torah, is in Masechah Sefer, you can see it's Peuk Yudalad, Halochah And it says there, Hamafter benovi hu poiris al shma, beize shma omru b'shma shal Sefer Torah. So it looks like that the person who would be given the maftir, which then used to be, given to a child. Therefore, they had to give him some kind of consolation. So consolation, they said, you will also do the Pairus al-Shema. What is the Pairus al-Shema? That he will lead the Kehillah in saying Shema and also in Borchu. Now, so a bit further on, as you can see in Halokha Tess, So the one who's the Chazan, he's holding the Sefer and he will say Shema Yisrael aloud, and everyone will uh, repeat after him, and then they're going to say Echad Alekeinu, etc. So the reason why he's saying Shema Yisrael is Als Poyus Al Shema, to, um, to uh, bring everyone, who, if someone had come late 
and hadn't said Shema earlier, so now they will be uh, prompted to say Shema. And then it follows on with Echad Arikeinu. Um, okay, so therefore the the, the position of the, the uh, Shema Yisrael at Haisor Sefer has got to do actually with Mitzvah's Krishna. It still is very interesting because then the next phrase, Echad Arikeinu, seems to be emphasizing the Achas of Hashem, which is not part of the Mitzvah of saying Shema, per se. On the spot, the uh, in the Siddur Shalom, that's this uh, writing underneath at the bottom of the screen. So he brings here that the Torah is Shemus, the entire Torah is full of Hashem's names. And throughout the Torah, they're woven in Hashem's names in, in, in a hidden way. And uh, therefore, in the Torah, you've got this Hashem, Hashem Echod is woven into the Torah. And on the holy days like Shabbos and Yom Tov, the wisdom, the gates of wisdom are more open. And therefore we say the Posuk of Yichud, the Psukim of Yichud, Posuk of Yichud is said when we take out the Sivatoya. So somebody is saying that in the Sivatoya there is Hashem's name and it's not always evident. And um, but there is Achtas Hashem in the Torah. And that's why we say the Posuk of Hashem Echod and followed by Echod Alekeinu in uh, when we take out the Sivatoya. All right, interesting. I don't fully understand the... Uh, the wording of the Shalom, but all right, there's a deeper meaning to the reason of saying Echod when we take out the Sifat Torah. And then what was very interesting is that the Shir Rambam, which we had for Shabbos, also tied in with this, because there's this famous Loshna Harambam of teaching a child Torah. From what stage does the father have to teach the child Torah? What is it? Malamda, he teaches him Now, the source of the Rambam is actually in the Gemara, but in the Gemara, in Marasukha, if I'm not mistaken, it says a child, when he knows how to bench Luluv, the father buys him a Luluv, Sitsis, whatever it may be, knows how to be Atif, if I buy him Sitsis, when he knows how to speak, so he teaches him Torah, Torah Tziva, and he teaches him Shema. But the way you learn in the Gemara, it looks like the Shema is chinuch to say Shema. And yet the way the Rambam presents it, to teach the child Torah and Shema Yisrael, as if the saying of the Shema Yisrael by the child is part of Limudat Torah, which is very interesting. Um, I don't have any more to explain about this, but um, I saw that some some Forshim do raise this question. Why does the Rambam read that the Shema Yisrael is also part of Lim Mitzvah's Limudat Torah. But fine, if we understand that the reason why we learned Torah is to be misachid with Hashem, and we said before the Hashem Echod and Yisrael Echod is all interconnected, so then it falls into place a little bit. Okay. Now let's get on to some Shavuot stuff. So now a Shliach on campus had this idea I think they call it a roll to start off a Shabbos after late Shabbos afternoon and start a meal. Let's say you'll call it Shabbos meal for uh, 7 p.m. And then it'll go go into Yom Tov and then it'll be a come Yom Tov meal. And then he'll be able to, and then he was thinking, then he's asking the question, does he do Ritzei and Yala V'yovoi at this, at the end of, and they finally get to benching, do they do say and Yah Lavyovi? So 
the the um, the rule is if you started a meal, let's say, on Rosh Chodesh, and it, you finished Motzei Rosh Chodesh, let's say sometimes the Hasana starts on Rosh Chodesh and it finishes Motzei Rosh Chodesh, you'll still say Yalaviyovoy in benching. Purim, you start with a meal on, on Purim and it overflows into, into uh, by, by, by night. And you still say Alanisim um, in benching. That's because it's a follow on. It, it, it goes on according to the beginning of the meal and so that remains. But if you daven Maidu in the middle of that meal, then that cuts off the, the uh, flow. And you, once you've daven Maidu of Motzerish Chaydish, you can't go back and say, and say Now, when he's doing this this marathon Shabbos Yom Tov meal, he's going to do Poyes Mappu Mekadosh. Poyes Mappu Mekadosh includes Kiddush, and because it's Moshe Shabbos, it will also include Havdola. So he's going to have to say Hamavdol Ben Kodesh LeKodesh. Once you've said Hamavdol Ben Kodesh LeKodesh, you can't go back and say Ritzay. But then I, afterwards, I thought about it. Look, hang on a second. What are you going to do? You're going to post map of Makadish. So when Shabbos goes into Yom Tov, so you have, you'll come Ashkia. So then you'll cover the Chalas and you make Kiddush look over the Yom Tov. Here it's Shabbos going into Yom Tov. So it's, 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 yeah, it's Shabbos going into Yom Tov. You have a Chiv to do Havdalah. You can't, well, it's going to come Ashkia. You can't, can't make Kiddush now. Because you have to do Havdolah now also. You can't do Havdolah early. Also, we'll come to that soon. You can't do Havdolah early. And therefore, you're going to have to wait with Kiddush and Havdolah until Nacht. So what are you going to do in this marathon meal? What are you going to do for three quarters of an hour between, between the sunset? And, and um, perhaps more than three quarters of an hour. So really, I, um, sorry, I, I, I ruined his plan. And he decided, you know what he's going to do? He's going to a, take a, do a Shabbos meal. Take a break for davening Myriv, and then come back and, and uh, start another meal for for Yom Tov. So, okay, now that's what you have here in Simon uh, the lower quote in Simon Reish and Aleph. You're not allowed to eat, drink, eat, taste anything, even water, from the time it comes time for Kiddush. Once it becomes Benash Moshes, so then once it's become Benash Moshes, you're going to have to. You can't uh, eat further without Kiddush, um, and in this case also without Abdullah. Okay, let's move on. I think I'm right. Okay. Um, the thing is like this. Normally, if you started a meal um, on Shabbat Shalashudas, you can continue and you don't have to worry about Havdalah. But here, because he has to stop by Ben, ben Ashmoshes to make Kiddush, and you're not going to make Kiddush and Havdalah separately. Um, so therefore, he's going to have to do Havdalah. Because of Havdalah, he has to wait until nightfall. So I don't think it works. Okay, let's move on. So now I've got this question on uh, yeah on, on Tuesday was Rosh Chodesh. So someone calls calls me up from somewhere else in Europe, and he um, they had Daven Ma'ariv early. Let's say they Daven Ma'ariv at seven o'clock. It's still light outside, and after that he ate further, or I was or started eating. The poil he comes to benching. It's still light, so it's still Rosh Chodesh. But he's Yavmayr already of Motzer Rosh Chodesh. So does he say Yalav Yovoi benching? Is his Yalav Yovoi, um, how do you say, um, obstructed 
by the fact that he's already David Mairif. So at the time I was a little bit you know, confused about this because I know that, that um, for example, the Gabehef Sektara, which was mentioned in, in passing recently. So there's a whole discussion. If you Davin Maidiv, does it become Nacht in relevant relation to other things? Um, there's also, for example, a question of Sviyasaima. Listen to this. It cut, let's say now, now it's quarter to nine. If a fellow has just Davin Maidiv and he realized that last night he did not count Sviyasaima, can he now count Sviyasaimer of last night so that tonight? Once it gets nacht, he'll be able to count Sphere Sayyim with a, with a bracha. So, so subjectively, his Davin Mairiv has already made it nacht. Objectively, it's still, it's still the day. So that's the discussion in Poskim, whether he can, can do it. Similarly, we have the discussion about a tefillin. If a person hasn't put on tefillin, and they've already Davin Mairiv, can they put on tefillin after Mairiv, but it's still day? Do you say, once you're Davin Mairiv, it's nacht? Well, it's all these all, all connected. So the poil with the tefillin, the Alter Rebbe takes the view in Simon Lamed that he can put on tefillin, but he shouldn't say a bracha because of the other poskim. It's really a, quite a, a lot of discussion about this. Some poskim took the view, you've done my, it's just nach Um In the case of Hefsiktara, the Tzemach Tzedek is more lenient, is more lenient than, than the way it is in Kisashirunor. Um, so now, therefore, I was a bit confused. The poil, here we have on Simakov Peches. After doing a lot of running around, I finally came to this. This is Simakov Peches Alter Rebbe. And he says, well, who shall I arvis? That which you can still say, in because you started the meal on Yomtev, or let's say Yomtev Shabbos, because you started the meal on Shabbos, that's only if you haven't davened Mairiv. The fact that the Tzibur has David Mairiv doesn't affect you. But if you've davened Mairiv, then, then the, you, you've got a cutoff from the Yom Tov. If you davened Mairiv, even you've davened Mairiv when it's still light, then you cannot say Yalavayove in benching. Even if you're benching, also mibodiye. So the, the the answer is very clear. It's black and white. It's, at the time, I didn't uh, didn't remember this, so I'm sharing with you that here's a very interesting point. And why why is this different to tefillah and all that? In tefillah, it looks like there's the concept of itrei two contradicting voices, because it's tefillah, and therefore, since you've in tefillah, even though you didn't say in tefillah, it's motzer but since you've davened Maidiv, so in Tfilah you've made it Nacht, therefore, even for Legabi, it has an effect that you can't, in benching, switch back. Very interesting. So there's, uh, so there's a difference between other Inyonim, which we have got to do with the other senses. When it comes to the sense of Dibur, there shouldn't be a contradiction. Yeah, in the Chesidus it talks about a person being called a Medaber. It's much easier to write a lie than to say a lie, because a person is a medaber. So a person to say something which is untrue, to to speak, it contradicts with it, it jars with himself. Whereas to write something because it's not, it's it, he's not that's not the dibur. It's a different chush. 
it's not such a problem. That's interesting how you have this um, trachola dysarthria. Okay. Now, next question was, actually, um, in Ukraine, and uh, Baruch Hashem is far away from where there's uh, active war, Monolith's land. But uh, there is a curfew. There's a curfew at 11 o'clock. Nacht is quarter past 10. And people there are taking the curfew very, very seriously, like probably for good reason. So now his question is, what do I do for the first night of Yom Tov? Do I do an early Mairiv? So had it not been a Motza Shabbos, so we all know that the first night of Shavuos, we daven bismanoi. That's a chiddush of one of the early achroinim. That chiddush, I would have been ready to be mevater on in the circumstances that he should be able to do ma'ariv earlier so people should get home safely before the curfew. But here, when it comes to a motzah Shabbos, to say that we're going to do ma'ariv at nine o'clock, and people will go home at 9 o'clock, 9.30, whatever it may be. And they will have already down Mayer. In their mind, perhaps, they will see it's already Motzah Shabbos. So it's going to be very confusing. To down Mayer on, on early on a Motzah Shabbos. So here we go from Simresh Tzadik Gimel, um, where it talks about, can you do, can you, if a person's onus, we can, you could theoretically daven Mairiv and do Havdola on a cup of wine before the end of Shabbos, from Plaga Mincha onwards. But then the Seif Gimel, he adds, Yesh Oimim, although Chachomim permitted us to do so, one shouldn't do so because it's a Dova Tamuha Larabim. It's very strange. And therefore, that, that remains that I told him the first night of Yom Tov, he shouldn't, uh, just don't, don't do a minya for Mairiv. Let everyone say it at home, make Kiddush at home and finish. Um, and now, what about the second night? Now, here we have a, a, a piece from the Benish Chai. The Benish Chai, um, he also wrote a Charles Tshuva Sefer called Rav Pe'olim. And the end of this quote, you see, he refers to this, uh, he's discussed this in the Rav Pe'olim. So, he, write, he writes, the first night of Shavuos, one should wait for Mairiv, so he says a Kiddush, actually, to wait till Tzesachachavim, because of Tamimos. The second night, he says in Chutz Loritz, uh, you don't have to wait till nightfall, you can make Kiddush Mibba And he says, actually, he's, he says, a good idea to make Kiddush early. You can see the third line, he says, because later on, there's lots of flies, and if you um, and if you're going to make eat eat later, the flies are going to be um, in abundance, and they may get into your food. That's the reason why he encourages you to have the meal earlier on. Now, then, it was very important. Now, so he does allow, when necessary, to do this the second night of Shavuos to do to, to do ma'ariv early. Then he says, if you make kiddush, then the the wife also will bench candles early. And not called Mechin Miyom Tavrishnal Yem Shani, because the Nairis, which is lighting, is going to be going to eat now. So that's not a problem. Very, very interesting. Now, um, so he does allow, and that's why I told him, 
that the second night of Yom Tov, on Sunday evening, they could do an early Ma'ariv after Plaga Mincha, and, um, and the, the people could bench licht at home when they'd be before Kiddush. Now, Rabbi Golem of Sheffield probably saw the list which, uh, of questions, and he, he brought to my attention um, two articles, one written in the Sefer Tshuva Me'avo, and one which is from Reb Shimon Soifer, the son of the Chsam Soifer. The other one is from the late Rav Soroya Deblitsky. And they're discussing when, when you, if a person does have this Suda early on the second evening of Yom Tov, we're running into a little, we're running into a risk. Are you, well, let's, let's ask the question. You're going to have your meal at, let's say, 8.30. You're going to have a meal at 8 o'clock, and you have your meal at 8.30. At 5 o'clock, are you allowed to put up a soup to warm up, to have, be able to have it at 8.30? It's, objectively, it's all yom tov. But if you're going to daven Mairiv, so you've already made it Yom Tov Shani. So if you put up a soup at five o'clock to serve after you've made it Yom Tov Shani at 8.30. So he, has, he raises this problem. And uh, that's Rav Stroya Devlitsky. He raises that problem. Um, and actually in the, uh, what did I say? The Tshuva Miyava from the Shimon Soifer, he... If I'm not mistaken, he recommends, he allows this, but he says that before benching licht, you should, from every food which you warm up for the night meal, for the, well, the early evening meal, you should have some food of each, each dish, which you warm up before licht zinden. And that way, you've partaken of it rather than just being for the following. Having said that, even, even more I'm concerned, Let's say you're going to let's say it's, you're going to be making kiddush at eight eight o'clock eight eight thirty yeah for you to warm up a soup now and the soup will be served after shkia you're also running into problems because min this is this is um, yom tov and by night is going to be motzi yom tov and you're not allowed to do any, any malocha on yom tov for motzi yom tov and it might even run into an isadereisa so therefore. This is all, it is running risks. Um, so, well, so let's, let's, let's summarize. If you are going to do this, you could warm up earlier on and have a little bit before, before uh, Kiddush and all that. But to warm up once, um, to warm up in before, before Shkia, food that you're going to eat after Shkia, that's something we should, you should definitely avoid. Right, let's move on. So this is a, not a Shavuos Shiloh, although it's got to do with the, uh, perhaps got to do with Aseris Adibris. Well, all Torah has to do with Shavuos. So uh, here's a question. The son asks me, my mother was discharged from hospital and she goes in for regular treatment and they they uh, say there is that they they do allow the relative to remove the uh, intravenous needle. She has an, an intravenous and there's a needle. And she doesn't need it the whole time. 
And so they allow, they, the medical advice allows them to remove it. He's asking from a halacha perspective, is he allowed to remove the needle from his mother's arm? So here we have a dinner shechnaruch and hichas kibud avraim, simulation aleph. So it says the following, if there is a father has got a splinter uh, into in, in someone in his body, so the son should not remove the splinter because he may cause a wound to the father. And maki ovivimoi, causing a wound to a parent, a mother or father, is a very severe aved. So too, if he is a makizdam, if he is what they used to call a barber who does bloodletting, or he's a doctor, he should not do bloodletting for his father, nor should he do any other medical procedure, even though he's doing so for refua for the father. Then the Ramo adds, and that's crucial for our discussion, when is it said that the son should not treat his father medically? When there's someone else to deal with it, fine, then delegate it to someone else. But if there's no one else there to do the procedure, for whom it's tired, and the father or mother in this case is in pain, so then the son should do whatever is necessary um, for the for the parents' welfare, as they they give him permission to do so. So that's what I answered him that if there's no one else there. That seems to have been the circumstances. Um, so then I said that he he should he he should do the uh, removing removal of the needle. Okay, let's move on. So some one of our regular listeners has asked um, came up about Yisker, and what's the reason why the minig is that uh, where children people who have parents who are both alive they. They uh, leave the shul for Yizker. Um, whilst, whilst I'm saying this, I had a couple of people asking, what do they do when they've got Israelis who are only coming to shul one day? Or someone asked me, someone from, from, from Eastern Europe, the people who come to him, some of them, he knows they're not going to come the second day. So what does he do about Yizker? So to both of them, I said, let tell them you can say that they, they those who are, won't be here until tomorrow will should say Yizka now quietly. Um, and it's not a reason for everyone else to go leave the room because so I, I, I didn't feel it was right to change the minicum the minic to do Yizka on the on day one because some people are not going to be there the second day. I didn't think that's right, uh, to change the minic, but to say that people who want to say Yizka won't be here tomorrow, that's okay. Um, my proof to that is, my support, is that the Rebbe told over that the Friedrich Rebbe used to say Yizker on Rosh Hashanah. So although it's not in the Mahzah to say it on Rosh Hashanah, I'm probably relying that it's said on Yom Kippur, but he would say it in Rosh Hashanah. The Rebbe says, I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just telling you what the Rebbe used to do and do what you want. So when the Friedrich Rebbe said Yizker on Rosh Hashanah, was obviously uh, there, were, there were other people in the room, and they don't know. But because it's not said aloud, it seems to be okay. So what's this business of why we? Uh, the Rebbe was apparently very um, conscientious that there shouldn't be any children with parents alive. They shouldn't be in the room 
before Yisko is started. So Omashin, this is a quote from the Sefer Orchus Chaim, and he says, Omashin noyagin oison sheyeshlohem abo ve'imo, ovaim, lotzis b'shas hazkara. What's the reason for those who have parents to leave the room, leave the shul for Yisko? Kosav, the Sefer, I, I, I guess it's lechem chamudos, but I didn't trace where it is. Pen v'ulai, im yihiyu shomo. In case, if those uh, who rem- those who do have parents remain in the show, and they will, in error, join everyone else is saying Yizka. They'll also say Yizka. And they'll say Yizka for a parent. And there's a concept that if you say something, if you utter something, that is kind of precipitating that is going to happen. And therefore, there's an element of sakona here. We don't want the children to, by mistake, say Yizka whilst the parents is alive, which would could could cause um, that the the parent would would, would um, pass away sooner. And as a result, that's the uh, meaning of the children going out. As they say, therefore, it makes sense that if whoever says Yizka says it discreetly and no one else is uh, following. And that the chashash, the concern that someone will, who just shouldn't be saying, says it, falls away. Okay, let's move on. Right. So I don't remember who asked me this, but earlier in the week, someone asked about a brother and sister acting as kvater. So the kvater is the couple who, um, chaperone, if that's the right word, bring the baby for the bris. Baby. So the baby is by the mother, which is as is noshim. The bris is in the shul, which is as it's not anoshim. So how does the baby uh, get from one to the other? So the minute has been established that you have a couple and the woman takes it from the mother till the door and the door she gives it over to, usually to her husband. And then he brings the baby and puts it down, by, by brings it to where the bris will actually be performed. So there we are. Now, so it's not, it's normal, not the minigistral, this is from a safer, you can see um, not to have kvater with another woman, even if she's uh, an unmarried woman, certainly if she's a married woman with a different, you know, not, not my wife, I wouldn't do a kvater with someone else's wife. And then he says, even a, a son-in-law with a, with a, with a, with a mother-in-law, or with an aunt or other other relations, only a father with a daughter, or a son with the mother. He says that's okay. Then he says, what about Chos and Kala who are still Ketanim? It's an interesting one. Um, at any rate, he doesn't talk clearly about a brother and a sister. In the Sefer Psochim of Shuvis, he says the is the same thing, a brother and a sister. Um, right. So so we have here that brother and sister in Svara, that would be okay. Um, similar to other immediate Krovim, where it seems to be okay. Let's move on. So here we had a question that someone had an, a, uh, it's a, party, it's a party fence, and it used to be a smaller fence, and then this neighbor built a bigger fence. And then in the recent uh, storms, stormy uh, weather, the fence collapsed, and it's still about two months later, and the fence is still there, and is wondering what are his rights to get this 
neighbor to repair it, etc. So here we have in Shukhanoruch in the Yechesh and Mishpet, Him and Kuf Samach above. So you have a wall abutting someone else's garden. When Nofal and Reuben's wall collapsed and fell into Shimon's garden. Now, coming back to this party wall, the, the, one, who, the, the one who's complaining, his, he didn't build the wall. He was quite happy with the old fence. It was the, the other neighbor who built the wall on his own on his own expense, his own volition, and who is now failing to to deal with it. So uh, so now here, so that's why it comes back to this halacha. You got here, Reuven's wall collapsed and fell into Shimon's territory. So then, Reuven is obliged. Besdin will oblige Reuven to remove the debris. They've broken the, the, the stones which fell into Shimon's garden. If, if Reuven says to Shimon, yeah, you clear them up and you can keep the stones. So then um, Shimon can say, no, no, I'm not interested in your stones. Um, and it's up to you to clear them up. Take, take them away. But if Shimon said, yeah, okay, fine, I'll clear up the stones. And he cleared up the, the rubble, and now there's a pack of stones, a neat pack of stones. Something. And now Reuben says to Shimon, oh, now you've made a nice stack of stones. These are my stones. I'll take them back now. I'll pay you whatever your expenses were for doing so. So if Reuven had told Shimon, clear them up and keep them, and then now he wants to take them back, sorry, it's too late. As long as Shimon hasn't acted on it, so then Reuven can still change his mind uh, and he can still retrieve his own stones. When he says, you clear them up and keep them, he didn't mean to give it as a matana. Oh, the fact is that he went and now he come and he came and cleared them up himself. So he's obviously just messing around a bit, but he didn't really mean to give it as a gift, after which he wouldn't be able to retract. Okay, so coming back to this this um, collapsed fence, um, it is obviously then the duty of the owner of the fence to clear it away. Uh, if the the plaintiff here wants to dismantle the fence and um, use it forever he wants, he's allowed to. Actually, I suggested him just pick it up and show it and dump it into the other guy's garden and finish. Um, let him deal with it. But, but that's what we just saw, that, he, uh, that it is the duty of the owner of the fence to remove it. Someone, next question. Here's like a bit of a difficult question. You've got here two Chabad Sidurim. One says, Malachusacha, Malachus Kolelamim. And the other one says, Malchuscha, Malchus Kolelamim. So the, the Lamed in Malchus, is it a Shvano or is it a Shvonach? Is it Malchus or Malachus? And as I said, it's a contradiction between two Chabad Sidurim. I don't know whether they've discussed this before. I think so. 
that the Chabad Tehillah Hashem Siddur is a copy of a Siddur which was printed in Vilna, Tafresh Ein Aleph, and there it followed the policies of Reb Zalman, Reb Shlomo Zalman Hena, and that's and then the one which the second Siddur, the lower one, is printed in Kfar Chabad, in I'm not sure which year, about 20 years ago, about so in Kfar Chabad they retypeset the whole Siddur, and there they they uh, scuppered the uh, rules of Reb Zalman Hena, and they followed the rules as spelt out in by Reb Motel Shusterman, which is the more uh, widely accepted uh, rules of diktuk. So there's, a, there's a, two opinions in diktuk, whether this is a shvona or shvonah. So let's explain. Now, the next screen, we have here the explanation of what's gone over here. <clears throat> this, is, this is from Rabbi Shusterman's Kloli uh, HaDiktuk, and he says the following, and this is in the chapter about shvot. You, you don't have two shvoin one after the other at the beginning of the word. It's not possible. It's difficult to pronounce. So um, let's say the word b'shivtecha, the vase and the tov have both got shvoin. But you go then you have then that you command it b'shivtecha, but you can't start off. Vera, uh, I don't know what. Well, um, it doesn't doesn't read well to start with two consecutive shvoin. So what's as a result of that difficulty? What happens when the in concept there should be two consecutive shvoin? Then the first one Then the first shvo becomes broadened and it becomes a regular vowel. This become this the name of this the, the category so you've got the normally the vowels are divided into two groups of this one is neither here nor there it's less than that why is it called a slight it's not doesn't have the power normally um, let's say my name is Yitzchok. So the Chirik is followed by a Tzadik with a Shavuot. That's a silent. That's, it becomes Yitz, Yitzchok. There's, a, there's a, a hyphen between the two uh, because the kind of the, um, the Chirik kind of gets a landing, gives you a bit of space with a Shavonach. Um, Amram. So the Mem, the Shavuot of the Mem is a, is a Shavonach. Because then you, then you have two syllables, am, rom. Now, what he's saying here, if the, if the Pasach in question is not an indigenous Pasach, but rather it's just a, a substitute for a Shavuot, then it doesn't have the power to kind of own the Shavuot afterwards. So take a look at the examples which he gives here. Malchei kisvu bichsoi. So... Um, so let's take a look at the word kisvu. Perhaps it should have been it should have been in origin kisvu. That doesn't work. So then it's been expanded to become a chirik. But it doesn't own the the shvo with a thof to say kisvu. Instead, it's kisvu. It remains as if the sof is the beginning of a word and therefore the shvo not. Similarly, in malachi. Um, so perhaps in origin it should have been mulachi. Which doesn't work. So therefore, the first shvor 
is expanded to become a Pasach. But it doesn't, it doesn't um, own the Lamed with the Shavuot to put a pause between the Lamed and the, uh, and the Chof. And therefore, it remains Malachi. And that's going back. That's what you can see here. That's the explanation here of Malachot, etc. That's, so that's according to that shitter. Um, whereas if you don't accept that shitter, so then you're going to say, well, um, after a Pasach, which is a Tnuaktano, and the Shvo should be a Shvonach, therefore it should be Malchuzfa, etc. So these are two, two opinions uh, in Diktuk. I was just, somehow it came to mind also in the word Isbe, Boire Isbe Besomim. How do you pronounce it? Is, is Isbe or Isve, Isve, etc. So it also depends on this in the in Shkitzeshkanach, I think it's Simon Nunches, he discusses about the vowels of the word Isbe Besomim. And uh, it's also got to do with this that the really it's it should have been a, a regular va and it should have been a shvo, and it expanded to become an, a, a chirik, and therefore it but it remains is isve rather than ispe. Okay, let's move on. Um, one oh sorry, got one one last question, and that is not on the uh, I don't have anything on the screen. So I got myself into a bit of trouble. A couple of years ago, I wrote, I wrote, um, I wrote a ten points about Aseris So my ten commandments about the ten commandments. So there's a hobby, but I've been encouraged that people should bring children. Um, people should bring children to hear Kriya Satora, to hear Aseris Adibris and Shuas. That was the Rebbe to bring them to show. But people have Baruch Hashem, you know, have taken this very seriously, and Baruch Hashem is very popular, and, and so they say to drink Kriya Satiris in the afternoon, etc. All right, so becomes a whole whole parsha, a whole discussion to be able to make a Kriya in the afternoon. How many people do you have to have who haven't heard Kriya Satiris, etc. Now I understand that for many of the people who come for your Aser Sadibris. It might be, they might prefer short and sweet. Just serve the libras and then go home. But the way, the position which I, I had understood is that if you are making a Kriya you have to do the whole Kriya Satayra. Whole Kriya and you have to also do Haftayra, the whole, the, work, the works. So, but what happens if you don't have a minion? So if you don't have a minion, so then you're not going to do a Kriya Satayra. Okay. But you, you can still take out a sefer and read read a you can read a sefer There's no minions, so there's no brachas, etc. Well, just to make makes things more uh, interesting. So someone suggested, you know what? One of your crowd hasn't said bichsatayr in the morning, so call over Jack and you tell him, uh, Jack, you didn't you, did you say brachas this morning? No, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, fine. So you tell Jack, you know what? Say this bracha. Asher bracha bonu mikol ha'am and nosan l'asterio. So Jack says bichsatayr. Before and then, then you read Aser Sadibris. Um, I say it looks a little bit like the uh, it's like something which happens in, in regular shuls. So someone asked me the following question. Now, so this is I'm saying I got myself into trouble. So he says, you know what? I've got I've got a minion, but really, I prefer to send someone out not to have a minion. And then we'll start off Aser Sadibris without a minion, and then we won't have to do Hulkers at all. That was that was his question, <coughs> and um, my response to him was, 
that I think we have to kind of think what we're trying to do here, what we're trying to achieve. We're trying to, we're trying to um, encourage Yiddishkeit. We have an opportunity to do a mitzvah of Kriya with brochus and all that. Now you're saying I can do a trick and not do it. I think you're, you're, you're missing the point. Um, I understand it's inconvenient and I would suggest, you know what you do? You're going to, before each aliyah, you'll make a little uh, presentation that this is, we're going to this aliyah, we're going to talk about this and you give it a couple of minutes prep. Uh, and then, then so-and-so is given this aliyah. Then by, between each aliyah, you make it interesting. You can somehow um, make it interesting. And then uh, you, you do a whole Kriya Satayr. To say that, um, that, to say I'm going to do, I'm going to do a, a shtick. I shouldn't have to do a Kriya Satayr. And I, I just, I feel that they're missing the point. The point is here that we want to, as I said, the original thing was to bring the children to come to show. Basically, doing as if you if you do have a minion, so who had haven't heard Kriya do Kriya and uh, it'll have a, some resemblance to what is uh, what happens in the show as Hashem, and um, the next thing will be they'll be encouraged to to uh, to, to participate in, in, in to come to Shul on a, on a regular basis of Chulam, rather than trying to dilute it um, deliberately. That's what that's my feeling about it. Um, People, a lot of people have asked about taking Sifritaira to the parks, etc. And, and I've, I have actually been quite discouraging about that. Again, the Rebbe did not encourage to make Minyanim in parks. To, to schlep a Sifritaira is quite a serious business. Um, I think we mentioned about this last week, about schlepping a Sifritaira from one place to the other. Sifritaira is a sacred, um, sacred article and it has a, a, a respectable place in the, in the shul. When you bring it to somewhere else for Amazon Shadaf and for a Shiva, again, you designate a, a respected place for it. So uh, to take a cemetery to the park, I didn't feel was uh, was appropriate. And, um, but if you, if you do want to bring them to your place, you want to do it outdoors um, in your front yard, that is, uh, you know, not enough space inside. Okay, but to schlep a cemetery to different premises altogether, that's something which I've uh, tried to discourage. Um, what we have here, someone's talking about the collapsed fence. I think the answer is not so simple. If it's a party fence, both sides have responsibility. Um, well, the story, all right, I mentioned that actually there was a party fence and then one of one, one neighbor decided without asking the other one to replace it, to put up a, a taller fence. So it totally belongs to him, but fine. Um, okay, I'm gonna stop here and wish you all a, uh, I've got a good Shabbos and a good Yom Tov. Kabbalah Satayr B'Simcha B'Primius. And uh, yeah, we should uh, meet him. I want another good health. And call the Shlema. Thank you.